Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. For another episode of Film Study, I'm joined today by Ivan Evans, Coach Evans, down from the Panhandle of Florida. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing good. How are you, sir? Life is good. I, I can't complain not a little bit. We're getting into an interesting part of the football offseason, the NFL offseason, coming up on free agency in a few days. And just for the record here, we're recording this on March 10th. It'll be reduced a few, uh, released a few days from now. There's always the possibility that there will be movement. Prior to free agency, if you have some signings, in fact, it'd be a real shocker if there wasn't, uh, weren't any signings. And uh, uh, we're going to talk about two different position groups here, the edge rushers and the inside linebackers both. And I've asked, uh, you know, one of the show's true friends, uh, Coach Evans, to come on and, and, and pick his favorites in that group. And we're just going to try and challenge this. And I'm, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with regard to the selections he makes. And it doesn't mean that I that I think he's uh, come up with the wrong players anyway. I just want him to kind of justify why he likes the guys that he likes. So, Coach, I, I'm just going to turn it over to you here. And how about we talk about the edge rushers first, since that's okay. probably where the Ravens need more help. Right. I, I agree, definitely. So uh, I'll start off with uh, Vic Beasley, uh, obviously played for the Falcons. He finished this year with eight sacks. But the, the eight sacks don't really tell what I saw on film from him. He still has a uh, really good quickness. Uh, he played. Uh, he he played with his hand down some and and standing up, which is you know for me that that term that screams versatility. And he also you know he did a good job on stunts, so he was able to get pressure not just from the outside 
was able to stunt and inside and get pressure. The only thing I didn't see from Vic Beasley was maybe lining up at a, uh, at a tight five or four hour three technique and getting pressure. All his pressure came from off the edge or stunts. Okay, so so he he did he was a true edge rusher in terms of of, of lining up on the edge, yes. and uh, you know one of the things the Ravens are like now Beasley is not an old guy, although mm-hmm. he's got some tread on the, the tread wear on the tires to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he has not played great the last couple of seasons in Atlanta, and I know mm-hmm. you mentioned that he he didn't he didn't look bad as a pass rusher last year. Right, we, we didn't tell the whole story. And so. And that was I didn't see much against the run. I was mainly looking at pass rush mm-hmm. because that's what we needed. So I didn't look at it a lot versus the run. Okay, fair, fair, uh, fair point to make there. You know, some of the criticisms of Beasley have been as a run defender that he's he's not as able to uh, uh, to take that spot. And he's, he's slight. For an edge defender at 6'3", mm-hmm. 246, he's kind of a, kind of got a thinner build. Not the wide receiver build that a Zach Bond kind of almost has, you know, very slight build. But but he's a he's a, a smaller guy mm-hmm. for an edge defender. Uh, is that something that, that that would fit into the Ravens? And how would they fit him fit a guy like that in uh, to make sure he's he becomes the edge defender they want or, or that they only use him? I think That's the only way he would fit with us is if we were extremely stout in the middle. And, and that means keeping uh, Brandon Williams and um, Pierce. If we don't have that, that those two legit run stuffers up the middle, I don't think he'd fit in well because now he becomes one of the guys that has to be a primary run stuffer. And I, like you said earlier, I don't think he's built to stop the run like that. I think he may be a situational guy almost, a, right. a, a pass rush specialist. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, last year the Ravens had um, – they played a lot of that jumbo nickel where they had an extra defensive lineman in the middle. In fact, the team finished the year with four nose tackles on the roster. <laughs> so to play all of those guys in the middle, one of the benefits was it allowed them – in fact, the primary benefit, I would say, to spread those edge defenders and put them in a position to make plays, funnel what running there was probably to the – to to the outside when somebody couldn't be moved. And hopefully that was a lot. Pecco had a very good season, obviously of, of being productive in the snaps he was given. Pierce and Williams have always been good run defenders, although they might've been a little bit off this last year, uh, mm-hmm. but it was the edge defenders where the Ravens really suffered. Yep. And a lot of the runs were in C gap or they got hooked mm-hmm. and they were able to get outside. And I think of the run in particular, the Cleveland Browns run. Yes. Uh, the long Chuck. run. The, the linebackers overflowed, the, the the defensive edge guys got hooked, and he was off to the races. Yeah, exactly right. Bowser overran that play, and uh, and Chubb went 88 yards the distance, and that really put that game away at that point. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was an ugly play, I, and it didn't, it didn't stop there. The San Francisco had a lot of ugly edge play, particularly from Ferguson early in that game, and they didn't. It wasn't until they put Ward in the ball game that they shut down the play for the last 25 minutes. Hey, yes. you— you mentioned something here that I want to I want to key on keeping Pierce mm-hmm. as part of this. Now I've, I've just done this morning the defensive line analysis. Did it with uh, Vaslarikos, and he made the point that there's a lot of other edge defenders he sees. Most of them, I mean, there's an unbelievable wealth of defensive line talent available in this year's free agent crap. Mm-hmm. And and the the question comes is would the Ravens be better off keeping Pierce or trying for one of these inside pass rushers? So let me just ask you for starters, do you think the Ravens are better served to go after an interior pass rusher or an edge pass rusher? 
Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> the the thing is, it starts with the, those guys up the middle. We have to have somebody that can stop the run. We have to. And so if we can't stop the run, the pass rushers, they don't matter. They become irrelevant because people just going to run it down our throat, run it down our throat. So if we got somebody that can rep- that can step in for one of the uh, peers, maybe, um, yes, I would say go with the edge guy. But if you don't have a solid backup, you're not confident, and whoever the next man up with behind Williams and or Pierce, I would say go with a, a interior guy that can that can attempt to do both. Because if we okay. can't stop the run, we're 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 going to be in trouble. Three out of four guys, uh, three of the four nose tackles on the Ravens are free agents right now. That's Pecco, um, Ellis, who's been mentioned as a possible cheap resign. And of course, Pierce, who's who you know we presume will get some significant money, but the Ravens may be telling him, "Go test the market. We're still right. interested. We 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 you know we can only offer you this, but, mm-hmm. but by by means all means test the market. I hope that's the case. I hope they can get him back in at a very reasonable deal, mm-hmm. uh, because I think he still has tremendous value against the run. Right, uh, great value. He's a, he's a big wide body that's hard to move. He commands double teams. Yep, and that leaves the linebackers free, especially if we have. If we end up with young and inexperienced linebackers, mm-hmm. and 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 you you know, with with the three three five they've been playing, they've also been in, at, having a lot of that linebacker play be effectively Chuck Clark filling mm-hmm. behind, and that's a that's a it's a big physical job for Clark, so they need to make sure those those guys on the inside are doing their job to maintain their position and being you know three hundred thirty pounds if I'm not going anywhere. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's let's move on to your next outside linebacker or edge guy who you think would maybe be a fit for the Ravens. I think he would be a this guy would be a great fit, but he may be out of our price range, and that's Shaquille Barrett. Finished Lead. with uh, 19 and a half sacks, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's that's at least 20 million right there for whoever's gonna pick him up. Um, he has a high motor. He's a great dipping rip. The thing I saw about him, he had multiple pass rush moves. Mm-hmm. It was not just constant uh, speed rushing. It's not just power rushing. He had a good spin move. Like I said, he had a good dip and rip. He just, he just, he's good with his hands also. Even when the lineman thought he was blocked, he was good, good at hand fight. So right. watching his tape was a joy. It, the Ravens really lacked that this last year. Only Pernell McPhee is really a hand fighter, mm-hmm. and and Ferguson, who has has great length. Unfortunately, leans on that too much, I think, in the bull rush and really needs to use his hand, hands more. But even players like Ward, who, who you know, also have length, could be a hand fighter, really are not. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's Barrett, I would agree. I mean, he's going to command a lot of money. So if they do go after him and did he line up at all on the inside or is he basically at 62250? I'm guessing he's a pure edge guy. Yeah, he was an edge guy. He was an edge guy. Okay. I didn't see him on the inside at all. Okay. All right, so I just wondered if, if Tampa might have had a special package, kind of like with Zadarius Smith, where they moved him inside in a three-outside linebacker package or anything. But that may be mostly a Ravens construct. I don't know how many teams are really doing that around the league. Only other team I saw move guys in there like that were, so far, was San Diego when they did what they did to us. Oh, yeah. With Bosa and Ingram both playing yes. some inside, some next to each other. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Okay, well, I'm I'm in agreement that I think that, that the money spent on Barrett's going to be very difficult. There is a second thing that I want to point out here is that the Ravens, of course, have the option to get Matthew Judon for one year at sixteen million, mm-hmm. somewhere between sixteen and nineteen million. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And and if they were to tag him, it would be not only likely a cheaper average annual value, I meaning it's just one year at sixteen to nineteen million versus what might be twenty million per year, twenty two million per year for Barrett. But it would also be
be a short-term commitment, which is important because of the need to shift money to the offense. And they have several contracts coming up. They obviously got to get Humphrey paid, and we're taking yes. for granted that that's going to occur. But I'm not 100% sure we can do that yet. All then right. Next year, they're going to have to. They're probably going to have to create a contract for Jackson after three years, rather than take any significant chances with it. I mean, if, if he has any year, anything like this year, I would think they're going to try and sign him. And then the year after, they I mean, I, they also have to get the deal done for Stanley, which presumably is coming this offseason. And then the year after, they're going to have to worry about players like Andrews and Hurst and try to figure out which one of those two they can keep. And Orlando Brown is in the same group. So it's they have to shift a lot of dollars to offense. And making another long-term commitment to a defensive player seems like it'd be a very difficult thing to do at this point. Right. Him paying him that type of money is going to be extremely difficult. So I, I kind of agree with you in all senses that he, he's out of the range. And, and, it, and we're not out of the range, but we need a long-term solution instead of mm-hmm. that one year. So I, And there's a lot of guys that, that I looked at that are comparable to Judon and may not cost us 16 to 18, may cost us 10 to 12. Well, let's hear about those guys. All right. Let me flip my page from my notes. Um, one one person I got in mind in particular is Jamie Collins. Okay. And and hear me out about Jamie Collins. He's extremely athletic. He's extremely versatile, which I think would help wink out. Uh, he's not an interior rusher, but he can cover also. So he can be an edge guy that can can also cover guys. That definitely would fulfill one of the important things that Judon gave the Ravens, which was being a, a, an extra Sam linebacker on the field that gave them a lot of different coverage vectors. Sorry, a pass rush flexibility that is generated by their coverage flexibility. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as far as him being extremely athletic, a quick story on him. This is another guy that I coached against in high school. <laughs> All his right. hometown was approximately 30 minutes from mine. And when he was in high school, he played quarterback. And all they did was snap it to him and dare you to tackle him. That's interesting. That, that's, that's all it is. They snapped it to him and dared you to tackle Now, one of the things about looking at Collins' career, you know, he, he really had a down period when he was in Cleveland. Yes. A little bit of rejuvenated when he went back to New England this last season. You know, they mm-hmm. traded him for, I think it was a two, right, when they, when they let him go after three years or halfway through his fourth year in 2016, partway Something through. Something like that. And, and so they got a high-round draft pick, which is very Belichick. Um, <laughs> but, but beyond that, um, he, his career really went in a, in a tank at Cleveland. And so part of what that tells me to me is this guy probably is very well, is very well suited to a scheme defense, but mm-hmm. not nearly as well see, suited to being a star out on the edge. So first of all, I don't want to pay him a lot of money just because right. of that. I, I don't, I don't want to overpay the guy. But second of all, I, I, I think it could work in Baltimore with Wink being who he is. Exactly. And, and the reason I put him on here is because of, of Wink. And what he likes to do with a bunch of different people. If Wink wasn't as creative as he was with putting guys in different spots, I probably wouldn't have put him on on his list. Yeah, that's a that's a good call. So his coverage skills in particular would be really valuable within what Wink has done in 2019 in particular, right. uh, to a lesser extent in 2018. But uh, but yeah, he could he presumably he could come in and fulfill the role that Judon did. Now, would he be an every down player effectively, or would he be a guy you'd I, at this point, I think I think he could be every down player because he, he like I said he had seven sacks and three interceptions. How often do you get a combo like that? No, very rare, very rare. So, uh, so I think he could be an every down guy. All right, so uh, the my my 
Judon wasn't quite an every down guy, but he but he but he played about eighty percent of the snaps this last season. I don't know if I would really say he was overworked, but I don't think he was quite as good as he's been in other years. And some of that, I always feel like the snaps on the margin are probably snaps the player shouldn't take. So it might help to be a little bit more of a specialist, but we'll see. I mean, mm-hmm. Collins is not particularly old. I think we already talked about this. He's 27, right? Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. He's 30. 20, 29, maybe 29, 30, somewhere up yeah. in there. Yeah, he's 30. Is He'll be 31 in November. So I, I have it wrong. He's not really that young a guy. And that's mm-hmm. a, you know, then if you're talking about a long-term deal, like what, what kind of dollar commitment would you envision for him? Um, First, long term for me, I'm thinking like three to four years mm-hmm. because of his age, definitely. And um, dollar amount, I'm looking at anywhere from from eight to twelve at the most. Okay. All right. The, so twelve being the most. All right. So let's say it was four to make three, meaning he'll he'll be cut before the last year of his contract, and the total cost was uh, for three years of the commitment was thirty six. Meaning your signing bonus plus your salaries for the first three years get you to thirty six million, give you an out on the last year of the contract, mm-hmm. and you save maybe nine million in salary or something in that last year. Would that be something you could live with? So it's really it's denominated as four for forty five up front, but it's mm-hmm. really three for thirty six underneath. I I think I could deal with that because I but I just like I'm putting a lot of faith in how creative Wink is mm-hmm. and how, how athletic Jamie is still at thirty. All right. I, I generally one of my the big things I fear is getting stuck with the old maid, the queen of spades, whatever you want to mm-hmm. think about it in, in hearts, um, you know, on the last contract for any player, because yep. it almost always doesn't work out. You, you sign the guy and a player like Collins, he literally he could have one top shelf year out of four, be injured for you know half of two seasons and then either have to be cut or have have a lower productivity. And and you know, it's that's a very common path for for players this age to take. And so I'm generally not in not in favor of it. Now it worked out well enough with Weddle. Mm-hmm. I think that the Ravens got their value over the course of three years of a four year deal. And maybe it'll work out that way for Thomas that they'll they'll get the things. But signing older players, I'm generally I'm not in favor of. I I agree with you. I'm I'm skeptical of it, but because of the how much money we have in free agency and the window we have to try to make this run before we have to like pay Lamar. I, that'd be a chance. I really try to set his contract up to end when it's time to pay Lamar. So that may be two years, maybe two, okay. uh, two for three, maybe. But I really try to, any of these players that are hovering right around 30, I try to set their contract up to end when it's time to pay Lamar. Okay. Unfortunately, I think that might be next year, but if it was three to make two, it would leave, at least ease things after two years, which would be mm-hmm. good. So yeah, three to make two could be you're out of it for two years for 25 million or something. And, and, and then he has 9 million or something that he can't get in that, in that last year. Right. It, it, it'd be interesting to see how they, how they set that up. I'd like to hear McFarland's thoughts on that at some point, but, uh, but we can leave that until, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Ravens are actually making a move on the guy, but, uh, mm-hmm. You, you would you you prefer this is really the question now would you prefer to have judon for one year at 16 because hey that could be the entire window on the no lamar contract mm-hmm. or would you prefer to have collins for say two years where you're going to pay him an average of 12.5 and then negate the third year of his contract mm. now as you put it like that because we probably will do something with lamar early and we know what we got with judon mm-hmm yeah, I I might stick with that 16 for you. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I think I would too. It's not it's not clear to me. I mean, Collins is a reasonable option, but Judon is younger. You're probably going to get more likely better physical years out of him over the next two. Over the next mm-hmm. one is all you need from Judon, actually. Right. And then Judon, Judon, you also get a comp pick for uh, a year from now if you lose him then. Gotcha. All right. All right. So uh, who else you got on your list? Let's uh, let's talk through. I have um, Dante Fowler, which I for the I think he's with the Rams. That he is. He finished with eleven and a half sacks. He may be out of our price range also, because even though he only had eleven and a half sacks, his his productive produ- productivity on the field don't necessarily end up with all sacks, because he got a lot of pressures. I think he was one of the only. Um, Got edge guys ahead, but you also got to factor in that he had probably the best defensive player on the interior too. So I don't know if this is a falsehood that I saw because so many people were playing so much attention to Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. but he really jumped out to me in the, in the film that I watched him on recently. Like I, he has, I had, he has a great spin move. Uh, he's a stand-up OLB. I didn't see him play inside, and he played with good leverage when he did have to set the edge. So he was he was able to set the edge. And and did it to a capacity where if the running back still tried to bounce, he could go make the tackle. All right. Very interesting. Now, Fowler dropped the coverage a fair amount, but was not often targeted, right. which is a which is a it's a nice thing. And then again, maybe we're talking about somebody who has some of that Judon like characteristic of an ability to actually impact the passing game in coverage from the edge. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I I, uh, I like that one. Um, any idea what uh, what we might be paying for Fowler? I mean, I guess it's a um, let's see. Let's see. Here, here's the here's the question I want you to answer. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can have Dante Fowler for three years, I'm going to say. And Dante Fowler, by the way, is not yet 26 years old. So he's going to mm-hmm. be I think he'll he'll cost. But we can have Fowler for three years, let's say. Or you have a standing offer for Judon one year at 16 million. Would you what's the price you would put? In terms of the total dollars you'd pay Fowler over three years, that makes you have it be of equivalent value to getting Judon for one year. Sixteen. So as a total per year, being he's only what twenty six, is that right? Age wise, Fowler. I'm sorry, he'll be twenty six in August. Um, I would look at right around. 16, 17, right around okay. the same price point per year, you know, for for Fowler. Being that he's younger, he can do like as far as the coverage things, some of the same things that that uh, Judon could do. And my my take on it, he's probably better in coverage than Judon. Okay. Judon, Judon may be a better edge setter, but I think they're fairly equal as far as pass rush. Okay. All right. That, that interesting call there. So, um, uh. You you probably get out of that if you want. If you want to pay Lamar, you might get out of that deal for uh, ten million of salary in a third year and pay two for thirty eight. Mm-hmm. And and so you you sign him up for three for forty eight to start with, and you end up paying him nineteen million a year over two years. Mm-hmm. And and that makes him about equivalent. I mean, he's, he's very he's younger than Judon, so he's, right. you know from that point of view, I can see a lot of sense there. I do think there'll be players will be, or other teams will be attracted to him as well. Right. Right. All right. All right. Fair enough. We'll play that same game. Move, move on to your next guy, if you would. Okay. Now, there's uh, two guys that I think that we all would love as Ravens, but I don't think we have the money to get them. So I could just lump them together. Okay. And that's Clowney and uh, Ngagwe. 
Okay. I think right. they're outstanding players. Everybody know what you get out of them. Uh, high motor, uh, affect the run game and the pass game, but I just think they're too rich for our blood. All right, I, I would agree with that, and, and Clowney is is just 27 now, so he'll be 27 when, they, when the year starts. Uh, definitely can do it all. A lot of people don't like him as a pass rusher as much. They, they, they say that, uh, you know, he's a B-level pass rusher and whatnot. I don't know how many sacks he had this last year, but it wasn't an exceptional number. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to take a quick look at that. It's not all about sacks. I mean, you, you, you and I both know that, and we all both saw him play for the Texans in previous years, right. and just how dominant he'd he'd been in games against the Ravens, uh, or or how effective he'd been. But yeah, he had uh, um, three sacks in 2019. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's an off year. Still 13 quarterback he, he, hits. He, he, right, he had three sacks, but he affected the game a lot. Because I was mm-hmm. shocked. When I actually looked up his his stats and I only saw three, those three that those three didn't match the the production he had. Okay, all right. And so definitely a, a you know a a guy who probably has hurt his value with that year in Seattle. I guess mm-hmm. it was a sixth year. Did it, was he tagged? So he had a first year option, had a fifth year option at age twenty five. I'm guessing with Houston, and then maybe he was tagged and traded at twenty six. Is that what happened? Or did he I sign a one year so. deal? Um, I'm not sure, but I know this is only his sixth year with maybe mm-hmm. only his fourth year of actually like playing, playing. Cause he was, he was hurt for a year. Mm-hmm. Him, him and Watt was playing on the field tag. Watt was hurt. He was on, he was hurt. Watt was on. So right. I think maybe four years, he don't have a lot of trade on his legs. Right. Very good. All right. So, so he's got, you know, it's a guy with 32 career sacks. He he's, certainly has value and he certainly was a, was a, heck of a player at his best but uh coming off this year I, I it wouldn't surprise me if he's a little bit cheaper than other players out there but he is still the right age that people are or would be interested that teams would be interested how about we move on to, and i'm sorry go ahead you have something else to say? i was just gonna say somebody's gonna jump off the cliff yeah <laughs> I, just, I just hope it's not us so what would you expect he'll end up going for what kind of contract would you would you expect to see maybe 22 23 a year okay so four years 22 23 a year Yes. Okay. Well, wow, that'd be that'd be a big deal, and and I th- I think I'm with you. I don't see the Ravens making that kind of a long-term commitment to a defensive player at this point. So that's a shame, but <laughs> right. Jadavians, go ahead. It's it's it all depends on Lamar because Lamar's gonna command a bunch, and it's really gonna if he continues to trend up, he's gonna make uh, probably right around what Mahomes make, and right. that's gonna be two ridiculous numbers right there. Yeah, forty million ish kind of per season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would expect that too. Jadavian Clowney, this is interesting. I did not know this. His nickname is Doodoo. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I don't even want to know how that emerged. <laughs> All righty. So Yannick Ngakwe was another guy you mentioned mm-hmm. as potentially out of the Ravens' price range. Right. He he only had eight sacks, but his his, his impact on, or in the pass and the run game is, is beyond numbers. He has great uh, ball get off, a great bend to the quarterback. So he, he gets he gets around the edge so fast that the quarterback doesn't even have a chance to step up. When when the quarterback steps up, that's his rushing lane because he gets so much bend on the, the tackle so fast. And he, he's got a high motor. So that's, he's everything we need and want. Just he don't 
he's gonna cost us too much. <laughs> okay, so high, a high motor guy in particular. So Michael mm-hmm. McCrary added to this defense, which has some good ability to extend coverage, some good ability to get the quarterback to move quickly with some by by getting a free rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those things make a high motor guy that much more valuable. A closer like Ngakwe yep. who who gets the hit. Now, Judon was a pretty good closer in terms of getting quarterback hits this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ngakwe, even better, obviously, and a one-on-one pass rush winner. Right. He did, he did a lot more of that, and I think a lot of – he forced a lot of incompletions. Even if he didn't get a bunch of hits, he forced a lot of incompletions because the quarterback knew his, his, his timer in his head had to go off a little bit faster. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, everybody would want to see him back in Maryland after, uh, you know, his, his college career. Um, yeah, that'd, that'd be very exciting, I'm sure. But uh, but again, long-term commitment will be required for either him or Clowney or Barrett, for that matter. Right. And uh, and those are, you know, $4 signed players. And uh, the Ravens may be looking at the 80-20 rule on this group. Exactly. You got anybody else at in, at, at edge that you want to talk about before we move on to inside linebacker? Mm, just one name I'm going to mention, not going to talk about him long, is Marcus Golden. He played for the okay. Giants. He had 10 sacks, and uh, he kind of puts me in the mind of um, Vic Beasley a little bit. But he had, he had a little bit more production than Vic Beasley, and he, pro- he probably is younger. Don't don't quote me on that. No, he's, he's, he's I don't think he is. is. is okay. um, yeah, Golden is actually a, a much older than you would think. He's only been in the league for five years, and that's really the problem is that he's two days away from his 29th birthday right now. Wow. So you're, we're about to, you know, there's the risk is there of the decline phase of his career. He did have 27 mm. quarterback hits last year, which is great. But but the thing that bothers me is that he has not been consistent as a pass rusher. Some of that's mm. injury, obviously, but he had 12 and a half sacks. You go back to 2016 in a pure situational role. He only started three games. Mm-hmm. And then this year he, he played – as a every down, I don't want to say every down player, but he was a starter with the Giants, and he had 10 sacks at age 28. Mm-hmm. That's not the profile I would be looking for in a guy you want to make a long-term commitment to. If it was right. a short-term commitment, maybe, but mm-hmm. uh, but I, I don't see that as a three- or four-year guy. Yeah, that, I, I didn't realize he was that old, so that kind of puts a lot of, a lot of stuff into perspective also. I thought he was a, a 20 25, 26-year-old, when I was doing the, the research on him, I didn't look at his age. All righty. All righty. Uh, okay, so uh, that's good. It's, that takes care of the edge rushers in, a, in what I think is a, a, a good way. So you, you have your choice. We talked a little bit about the money involved. Who's the guy that you think would make the most sense for the Ravens out of the group you mentioned? And, and include Judon in that. It, you know, If it's one year at $16 million, or if maybe mm-hmm. they can even work out a long-term deal with him. But number one, Judon. I think okay. Judon. Because of the one-year deal and depending on what we have to do with monies after that. But if us, the guy other than Judon, I personally we would go with Collins. So I think okay. he's going to be affordable. And I think he give a, give us pass rush and and coverage ability as, as well. A combination of those as well as anybody on the list that I spoke of. Okay, so it's a, it's kind of a replacement for, for Judon in a way. It's a little bit older player, but it gives the Ravens time to, to draft somebody also who can replace him. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. I, and, it, and getting a Sam linebacker, if they lose their own, you know, their primary Sam linebacker in Judon is going to be critical because Bowser is coming into year four. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, then they're going to lose him, and it's just a, you know, it's a it's a treadmill in a sense. They just need to need to obviously draft a cornerstone player at some point and keep him uh, right. at an important position like that. All right. Well, let's go on and talk about the inside linebackers. What do you say, Coach? Okay, that's fine. The, like? um, the guy I really like is Corey Littleton. And my notes for him is uh, he can cover. He reads the eyes well of the quarterback. Uh, he's an okay blitzer, not the best blitzer, but he comes off the edge and up the middle, and he seems to be a highly intelligent linebacker. Right. I, I love him. As a as a player, he's a young guy. Uh, there's a there's a lot to like. Made his first Pro Bowl at age 25 in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't have quite as good a year, maybe in this in this last season with three and a half sacks, but still a pretty damn good year. Um, they play him a lot, and because he's so athletic, uh, they're happy. And and maybe this is a uh, uh, just the way the Rams wanted to play it. They play a lot of dime, putting a safety. And who's the guy? The, he was a rookie safety this last year, second round pick. Plays next to him, number twenty four. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll have it for you in a second. But I've I've uh, I've forgotten right now. But anyway, t- tell us what you saw on film about Littleton that you, that that you really loved about what he did. Uh, again, like I say, he he can cover. I saw him uh, make drops and not just the grass. He dropped to people. He uh, read QB's eyes. So like if the QB was looking a certain way, he, his his the QB's eyes took him to the ball, especially on one interception I saw. He was he dropped to his coverage. Nobody was in his zone. His eyes went back to the quarterback, and the QB's eyes took him to the ball, and he ended up t- uh, taking it uh, interception. Wasn't a pick six, but he took it back for a nicely return. Um, feeling he and mind feeling sticking the nose in there, filling gaps, which we all need that from every linebacker. But like I said, he was an okay blitzer. I didn't see any great blitzes out of him. He was where he needed to be. He didn't just blow guys up once he got there because he's not the, the thickest of them guys. But then he also blitzed off the edge. And when he came off the edge, he almost looked like a, a he looked comfortable there. Okay, like an edge rusher would. Yes, didn't, like, didn't, yes. didn't put his hand in the dirt at all. He says, stand up. Guy. Mm-hmm. And and one of the interesting things, one of the qu- things I would have a question about is how did he use the presence of Aaron Donald in the middle to his advantage? Because a lot of inside linebackers can rush effectively behind that. Mm-hmm. Now, that was going to be my, my question also. How much of this production is due to Aaron Donald? The same as with the uh, with when we were talking about the, the edge rusher guys. How much of that production is due to defensive coordinators and O-linemen paying two, putting two and three guys on Aaron Donald? Because we don't, I mean, we have good interior defense alignment, but we don't have Aaron Donald. Right. So how well is he going to be able to get off blocks? You know, how well is he going to be able to stack and shed? He just, he didn't have to do that as much because he was playing behind Aaron Donald. Right. So the guy, the guy who played uh, next to Littleton was Taylor Rapp, who was a rookie, okay. number twenty-four, very talented young player, and uh, you know, part of part of me says. You can only do that, or you're more likely to try that when your top linebacker is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so, in, in terms of other inside linebackers, I'm gonna we're gonna play the same game. So let's say they can they can have Josh Bynes. Now Josh Bynes, it's not obvious exactly what they'd have to pay for him, but I'm gonna mm-hmm. set a number and I'm gonna say they can get Josh Bynes for two years for eight million dollars. Uh, so four million per year. Um, and I don't think that's too far off. He did have a good year this last year, so there may be somebody's willing to pay a little bit more. He may be on somebody's the top of their bargain bin list, <laughs> right? You know, and I think he probably should be on the top of the Ravens because uh, he played the run well. I thought he did a good job of of 
identifying the passing game behind him much better than I had anticipated. And he wasn't even their designated third down guy. So I, I like him a lot. And it would take a lot for me to get another inside linebacker, me to want another inside linebacker. I, I would want a lot more proof that they're going to be good to spend more money than I would on Bynes, to spend two or three times the amount of money that I would on Bynes. What's Bynes' age? That's what, that's what oh, I'm he's saying. old. He's old, no doubt about it. But you don't he's have to make. He's thirty already. Uh, he's born. He was born in eighty nine. So he's. There you go. Yeah, he'll be thirty one um, in August. Actually. Mm-hmm. I I really think I would go with Littleton if he was if he wasn't an outrageous number. So that that's Over. the question: is what's the maximum you, you're willing to pay for Littleton to to make the make you make you indifferent to Littleton or Bynes? So if we if we I would pay Littleton 12-ish. That way, then I don't have to draft. I don't have to spend a top draft pick on a uh, uh, linebacker. And okay. If so, that means we probably won't have Bynes, but I'll still have a, a younger guy in there with Littleton to groom, like, kind of like he did with Rap. Okay. So I still so, think it'll work out because you'll have a rookie contract versus a, you know, a, a nice contract at linebacker that should kind of even the, the pie chart out as far as salary. Okay, so if you if you're gonna spend twelve million per year, twelve million AAV on on Littleton, you're really talking mm-hmm. about four for forty eight, let's say. Yeah. Okay, and then we're really talking about maybe getting out of that after three years for three years, right? Thirty eight, thirty nine million, whatever it would be. So he, he he makes a little bit more in the first three years. There'll be a signing bonus. It's really hard to say. The escalating salaries and signing bonus kind of offset each other. Mm-hmm. I'm. I, I, I come back to the same question about, is that then the only move you can make on defense? Does it preclude Judon? And does it preclude um, a signing of a different edge rusher, a different interior guy, because you you have to look forward to spending that money on offense? First of all, you have to spend a bunch on Stanley this offseason. Mm-hmm. And second of all, I, you got a year now. I think the domino is going to fall depending on who who accepts a deal first. Okay. So if we if we put if we offer these contracts to to Judon or we franchise Judon or you know we offer something to little if he bites first then we may have to go in a different direction with Judon or with whoever we're gonna do edge wise or if the edge guy if we get an edge guy first we probably have to go in a different direction with Littleton because I think I think if we get a good edge guy even though we still have a hole at middle linebacker or inside linebacker. The edge guy is going to help that that guy. He's going to get more pressure. He's going to help the middle linebacker. And I feel like if we get a good middle linebacker, the edge guy doesn't have to be as good because they're going to play off each other. Does okay. that make sense, what, what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, given who Wink is, I think he can manufacture pressure with a lot of different pieces. He just needs a few good ones. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree. Uh, I, I, that's one of the reasons why – because he was so good last year at playing without inside linebackers having a big role. And basically they had, they had some really ineffective play at inside linebacker for four weeks. And then they mm-hmm. effectively flushed the entire group. They, right. they took um, board off the field completely, even though he'd won that weak side linebacker job, they traded young eventually, but he didn't play after week four, not, not in any, any, any significant number of snaps. And they, they re- greatly reduced Owasso's role from a starting Mike to being a replaced guy who would only then play in really the base package and certain others, the standard nickel, 
down the stretch. So that what that told me was that that they really were unhappy with the play. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of their inside linebacker snaps for the season, by the way, Coach. i got to yeah. tell you this number. They had – okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give the whole season, and this includes the postseason. They had 42.1 – I don't have this number right in front of me, damn it. Okay, I'm going to do this right, right – okay, it's 406 snaps, 406, mm-hmm. 406 out of – 964 that weren't penalized would didn't result in a, in a penalty. So 42.1% of the snaps were in the dime or quarter for the season. That's just an unbelievable number. <laughs> Beyond that, they played a lot of that jumbo nickel where they only had one inside linebacker on the mm-hmm. field. So what my point is that we need to do some, or we should maybe do some, playing to the strength of the of the defensive coach who mm-hmm. is basically able to manufacture pressure and and do what they needed to against the run, even though it was was not good by historical standards, um, by having less total linebackers on the field and playing a ton of diamond quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I bet you a bunch of those numbers were Chuck Clark and Bynes, weren't they? I'm sorry, wait, Chuck, Chuck Clark and Bynes were, were a bunch of the, the total snaps as the yeah. two inside linebackers, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they had 369 dime snaps. The amount of dime in quarter they played at 42.1% is by far the highest in team history. The next highest is 34.5% in the, for the 2000 team. So wow. very successful defenses can play it a lot. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I think we need a, we need a cornerstone guy. We need a okay. cornerstone guy. And you'd want a cornerstone guy at inside linebacker. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Would, they, wait, uh, and you'd, I, go ahead, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I, I just want to say, is the draft or free agency the place to get that cornerstone guy? I think it's the draft. Okay. I think it's the draft. There right. are um, two other guys that I have on my list. One being, uh, I think I want to make sure I pronounce his name right, Joe Schobert. Yeah, Joe Schobert of the Browns. For, for Cleveland. Uh, I got the notes I have. He's a good tackler. He's a good in coverage. And he's always in the screen, meaning he's always around the ball pursuing the ball, chasing the ball down, if not making a tackle himself. Uh, okay. A highly intelligent player. Um, I don't know how good – when I say when I got good in coverage, I don't necessarily mean man-to-man coverage. He's good in zone coverage. I'm not sure how good he is in man-to-man coverage. So he reads the quarterback, tries to get in the passing lane. Yes. Tries to, and he did have yeah. four interceptions mm-hmm. on the season. So that was a uh, – they all came in consecutive games at, uh, near the midway point. All right, so definitely he's a player. I don't know what Cleveland's trying to do in terms of re-signing him or if they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not have the greatest reputation on the Cleveland boards as being a particularly great run defender. I can see that. Okay. I can see it because he's not the, the, the thickest of them, but you don't see a lot of extremely thick linebackers. You remember Ray in his heyday? How thick he was, how broad his shoulders were, how, how just how much of a manly man he was. You don't see a lot of linebackers like that anymore. Yeah, he he was compact, and I think his height was overstated at the time. Mm-hmm. So he was, even though he might have weighed 235, 238, maybe 240 at the very top, that was like a, a ball of muscle, 240. Right. That was, it was <laughs> really tough. So. A, lot, a lot of linebackers going to, a lot of linebackers are in, ended up looking like strong safeties. Mm-hmm. Which the I, two main linebackers that people are saying that we're going to pick up, they look like free strong safeties. 
We're talking about in the in the draft you're talking about. In, so that yeah, and Murray and Queen. Murray and Queen, yep. All right. I, I I did not realize that that those guys were really slight of build. I mean, they're they're, they're both a lot bigger than Owasso, for example. Mm-hmm. They're they're not down mm-hmm. at two seventeen to two twenty five range. They're they're going to be at two thirty two thirty five, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And I, I think one six two and other one is maybe six three, maybe. Six okay. three or six one. They they're like one inch one way or the other. I can't remember which one it is. Okay. All right. And the the last guy I have is Danny Trevathan. He okay. had uh, seventy tackles in just ten games, but but he's coming off a huge uh, injury. I what think happened to injury, Trevathan? I don't know that. Um, I think it was uh, something in the lower lower extremity. I don't remember the exact name of the injury. I just I, it was low extremity because I was when I looked at it, I saw he had 70 tackles. So I went to go look at why he only had 70. Then the last like six games, he had zero, zero, zero. Then I saw that he had an injury. But looking at the film that I saw, he, he was he could go get it. OK, so he, it looks like he was injured in week 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, fair enough. Uh, certainly was a good player with Denver for a fair number of years. Has, yes. has played pretty well for Chicago in the years since. Uh, definitely has standard inside linebacker size. I guess my the, the thing I challenge you on is he's been in the league for eight years, and he's mm-hmm. just coming off an injury. A guy who's going to turn 30 in March, is that the guy you want to bet on, or are you expecting to get him at a real bargain? A bargain because of the injury, and hopefully we'll draft the guy that can kind of work with him. Okay, so that would make sense to me. I, I could be okay with that, particularly if Bynes end up, ends up getting a bigger contract than I expect. Right. Uh, you know, I could certainly see Trevathan. How do you see LJ Fort figuring into this defense this next year? Because he's already signed. Um, LJ could actually hold it down. He could, especially if, if Bynes, you know, found money somewhere else, like with a different team. I, I was, I was not, um, not mad at LJ's play this year. I thought I, he played I, well. I, 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 I agree. I think he. I thought he played well. I thought he did what was asked of him. I thought he came in and like helped solidify that inside linebacker position because it was not well, you know, before from week <laughs> four on up. We ended up with three guys there that didn't. We didn't expect there. It was Bynes, Ford, and Chuck Clark. None of Very those guys true. were expected to play inside linebacker for us. And you know, DaCosta and and Wink, they made it work. Now, LJ Ford had been bopping around the league for eight years. Mm-hmm. The Steelers with Cleveland, he, you know, he was wearing an Eagles uniform, even though he never played for them to start 2019. When the Ravens picked him up, obviously a street pickup, he had had only 500 approximately snaps in an NFL career that spanned, you know, parts of, well, parts of seven seasons in theory, but, but this, this was his eighth. Um, he ended up having what is now a third of his career snaps just in this last season. So a guy with really limited tread wear, even though he's 30 now, and I thought he showed a lot both in coverage and, uh, and was decent against the run as well. And, and as a pass rusher for that matter, I I was happy around the, around the horn with him. Yeah. If, if, if the numbers don't go right for other, you know, linebacker prospects, I wouldn't be mad to have him, him back alongside um, a a younger guy, a a drafted guy. Let me ask you this quick. Is, is Peanut still in the contract? No, he's he's done. He's a he's a unrestricted free agent. I, I say he's oh. done. He's an unrestricted yeah, he's... free agent. I don't anticipate the Ravens to make a make an offer to him. But mm-hmm. you know, you saw some of the some of the things that happened with Harbaugh down the stretch. Obviously, are very difficult for Peanut. 
They made him an offer, a contract before the year that I think he realizes would have been a good deal for him now. Uh, he won't have as much value out there on the open market, but I think somebody is going to give him a chance to try and get mm-hmm. back in the saddle, play you know at least a part-time role of that weak side spot and see if he's got something left. Yeah, I always say a bird in the hands. There you go. <laughs> one, one more sleeper guy, and then I'll be done with my inside linebackers. Okay. It's the guy that Lamar put in the spin cycle for Cincinnati. <laughs> Nick Vigil. Nick All right. Vigil. Nick Vigil. I got um my first note is got put in the spin cycle by Lamar, <laughs> but seems to be a solid uh, LB. He plays inside out, and what I mean by that is when he's strafing down the line, he doesn't overplay the running back in the hole. He plays a, like a gap behind to so when the running back decides to turn it up, he's there to to make the tackle. I uh, got fundamentally sound in tackling. He's very active around the ball all the time, and um as far as his coverage wise, I think he's okay in coverage. But if, you know, for what we're trying to do, and as, as good as our DBs are, we need a guy that's probably going to be a, a run fitter first and then a cover guy second. Okay, that certainly lends itself to good specialization if if you can get that. Uh, it's interesting what you say about being a gap behind. That's that's exactly what I was going to say in that situation. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm stealing it from you. I'm sure I heard you say that first in terms of the staying a gap behind. But anyway, I quote you on a lot of stuff, Coach. I appreciate that. Um, no Vigil, Vigil's going to have to live with that play for the rest of his life, obviously. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I wonder how he'll approach it personally. And I wonder which is the best indicator of what kind of a football player he'll be from this point forward. But would you, would you respect the guy more for trying to play it down? Or would you rather the guy say, fuck you, I don't want to talk about that again, kind of thing. And obviously, we're, we're unfortunately, we're not yeah. on air here. But, uh, but but would you prefer if he, if he was was basically telling the story in the locker room? Like, Listen, let me say, this is the hand that actually uh-huh. touched Lamar Jackson on his magical run. <laughs> I prefer that guy. Okay. Just, just live in it because you, you, you'll never live it down. So you might as well laugh with people while they're laughing at you instead of just being laughed at. There you go. I, I, I think that's the way I'd like him to play it with his family. Or I think that's the way he'll gain the most solace with it over time. Mm-hmm. But 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 part of me says, you know, I want a Chuck Bednarik or a Ray Nitschke or somebody like that who's, <laughs> who's going to basically, tell you know, punch somebody in the jaw almost when they bring the thing up in his presence. Right. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, I, I, uh, interesting player to consider. Uh, and, uh, you know, age wise, how old is Nick Vigil? Now? Twenty six. Okay, so he's at the right age. Mm-hmm. You know that you'd hope that he'd have a little bit. And he's a, he's more very typical, prototypical size for an inside mm-hmm. linebacker, six two two forty. There aren't many that size anymore. They do tend to be smaller, and you, you've uh, been kind of mentioning that. Yeah. All right. So th- uh, those are my those are my guys that I looked at and thought would fit. And uh, I think all I think those inside linebackers would be reasonably priced for us. With the exception of maybe Littleton. 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 Yeah. Okay. So Littleton will have a lot of draw around the league. So I don't see the Ravens getting him in the end. The rest of the guys, uh, I think the Ravens can pretty much have their pick of of who they want. Uh, somebody may really want Bynes uh, to take over. Bynes has been a signal caller in the past, and there's some there's some added value there. People also should realize that Bynes has Bynes' primary value is at a specialist, a very good run defender. And I don't think he's going to be as useful in coverage, even though he showed flashes of it this last season that he might be a three-down player again. I mm-hmm. think that 
watching the Ravens and what happened this year, I think we're going to see more NFL teams moving to have a strong safety being their signal caller as opposed to the an inside linebacker. All right. Because they the a lot of times that strong safety can drop down and play that position, and because the the signal guy pretty much has to stay on the field the whole time, right? Yeah, that's the that's the problem. And so you want if you want flexibility with your linebackers, get off, play more dime, play more quarter, then you you uh, uh, you need to have that flexibility. ILB. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I have never seen it done before this year, and I'm think I think a lot of teams are gonna copy that because it's, it's a copycat league. Yeah. Good signing for Clark, and there aren't not everybody has a player who can do that. But you know, a, a good example of a player who now becomes the signal caller, I would bet, is Taylor Rapp in L.A. He'll only be in his mm-hmm. second year, but but him, he's he's a guy they want to keep on the on the field all the time. But he's the kind of player, and a lot of teams have one of these guys, a hybrid, really a dime linebacker primarily. In the Clark's case, it's wonderful because he's a dime linebacker who can also move back and I think play pretty well on the back end, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy who can play in the box, be close to the line of scrimmage, and really help you get those calls transferred more quickly than a free safety can. Definitely. All right. Coach, anything else we need to discuss on either of these positional groups? Um, no, I just – I think the fact that we got those comp, those comp picks came out today, if yep. we don't get what we need and um, free agency, I think those comp picks going to help us out, going to help our draft strategy to kind of fill these holes. Yeah, so, yeah, very interesting because there's a very tight window on all the information this week. So the, the players vote on the CBA, and that's been extended till Saturday, I'm aware. Mm-hmm. And so it's 314, the votes are in. I think it's 316, they have to agree on the on the contract. 318, the year the league year begins. We're already into the tamper, tampering period, I believe, by Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then what I, what I heard this morning was the from I think it was Adam Schefter. He said the vote ends at midnight Saturday night. Mm-hmm. The the next phase ends at midnight Sunday. No, at eleven fifty nine Sunday night. Then the tampering period start one minute later at midnight. Okay, so they have to agree to the CBA basically uh, before that tampering period can start. That's what they've mm-hmm. that's what they've said. Okay, and then free agency of sources starting on the eighteenth or the sixteenth, whichever it is. I think it might be. I may one have them days. All right, <laughs> one of days. One of the days. One day next week. They're going to know. They're going to know what the new CBA is. We already know that the comp pick structure has has been set for this next year. I don't know. You know, from what, all I'd seen about the CBA, they're they're maintaining the comp pick structure, which basically keeps them with an eight round draft, which the players like. Right. And then for the Ravens, how about the news today that they're moving up effectively thirty three spots because Mosley was tacked on at the end of the third round, the loss of him. That's that's going to be a great pick. I mean, a great pick to. Either wait and get a, a receiver, or to pick up some some help um, with linebacker or edge. I I agree, and it's just it's people. I, I I you can't understate the value of this thing, or or you, but maybe you need to be careful to appreciate the value. If that comp pick had came, the difference between being at the end of the third round and the first pick of the fourth round is essentially the difference between those two is essentially equal to a mid fourth round pick. So the Ravens gained a lot of additional draft capital with that move up in value of that pick today. People wouldn't normally think that it's as much as that, I think. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a ton of value. I was very excited when I saw it. Me too. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get home and do the the draft simulator. Oh, okay. Comp picks in there because that, that changes a lot of, a lot of, a lot of my thinking. So I know it's going to change a lot with the powers that be that actually do this for for real. 
Well, while, while we're on the topic now, with Marshall Yanda's retirement today, does that really change who you think the Ravens will draft? I know you uh, like Lloyd Cushenberry as a as a player, and somebody else brought his name up too, by the way. That's the the fact that I brought him up before Yanda retired. Even to me, like reiterates that I think he's the guy. Okay. I, I just I, even though I know his 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 draft number is lower than twenty eight, I just I think he's the guy because he can play all three of those positions in the middle. Okay. They have they do have other guys they can get, but the the, the pure center is hard to get. Ruiz is maybe overvalued. Cesar Ruiz, that's the guy, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, because I saw okay. somebody mention him earlier. I was mm-hmm. like, who? So I had to go look him up. Right. He's, the, he's another Michigan player. The guy I really like on the interior line is a, is a pure guard, is a Weno from Michigan. He's he's an absolute mountain of a man, but if they want another uh, body mover, he's, mm-hmm. he's very good for that. Real question of whether or not he can pull if they end up with powers at left guard. Uh, sorry, at powers at right guard, it may end up being more powers pulling from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, change the handedness of the run game, which might work. It might not. It would definitely change the situation with Brown. Or maybe they shift positions and Oweno becomes a, a, a right guard at the pro level. Right. So, uh, but anyway, I, I, he's, he's the player of the Michigan interior lineman. He's the one I think would be the best draft value. They'd probably get him in the middle of the fourth round with one of their three picks. They could take him and, and uh, would solve a lot of their interior line things and one of the things i mean the ravens are very thin now across the line but they still have what i think is a pretty good starting group even with mccary yeah. at center i'm pretty happy with the starters so that that's um stanley uh zeus mccary mm-hmm. uh whom i miss bozeman um, and powers bozeman and Powers. yeah that's yeah i agree i agree and, and so and then yeah behind that you don't really have a, a backup tackle because hearst has got issues right now with suspension and, and the possibility of being cut. So I'm thinking really it might be a pure tackle and a center is what they end up drafting or maybe a guard center. And, and you mentioned Cushenberry and being a guy who could play all three spots. You know, he could, he could certainly be the guy. I, I don't think they need to take him in round one, but, but uh, I wouldn't be upset certainly if they, if they took him in the, in the second or even the third round. And whoever they get to, to be the backup tackle, I think needs to be just a tackle. I think yes. we talked about this yes. once before. Whoever that guy is, whether it be free agency or draft, he needs to be just a tackle. He needs to have the feet to play left tackle. In fact, mm-hmm. it's really it's not a because Stanley's missed a lot of time over the years. I mean, he's missed. He seems to miss two games a season pretty regularly, or miss you know. Part, and even though he's a warrior, he tries to play when he's hurt. I mean, they just need somebody. And Hurst wasn't ideal, but he also is not the worst possible option mm-hmm. at that at that case. I'd rather they had a a developmental a guy like Sanat, who they really believed in, who had the feet and the length to play that left tackle position well. And and you know, if if for some reason uh, Zeus was lost for a period of time, I think you can make that up from a lot of different positions. Maybe you move mm-hmm. a guard over to play right tackle if you need to. Yep, I agree. All right. Coach, always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Can tell people where they can find your material online. Apologize for not doing this up front, by the way. We usually do um, that, but... That's fine. That's fine. On YouTube, it's uh, Sip to Tally Films. And on Twitter, it's Coach Evans 9. Okay, so Sip to Tally Films is S-I-P, the number two, and then the word tally, T-A-L-L-Y, uh, films. And it's a YouTube channel. And is there you, do you have a Patron page or anything like that? that I do have a Patreon page, and it's Sip to Tally Films also. Same, okay. same name on Patreon. Make sure you give uh, Coach's videos a, a, a chance here, and, and certainly follow him on Twitter. He's a, he's a great follower that gets, gets a great follow who gets in the discussion uh, regularly and uh, always a pleasure to talk to you.
I sure appreciate you having me on. Uh, always, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, um, to all the other listeners out there, if you have something you'd like to do on on a film study short this off season, I'm trying to do more of these. You know, produce maybe three or four shows a week. If you have a study in particular where you've layered on information and done additional film analysis that 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 converts things to numbers, I'd love to talk through that with you. Give your study some, uh, you know, breadth in terms of uh, of, of coverage and uh, and hopefully some some uh, hard analysis. So we'll ask some questions to you too, and uh, and hopefully that's something you'd appreciate. But I do uh, I do love to find people who are doing that and uh, happy to talk to you. Send me a message on Twitter at Film Study Ravens. Thanks again, folks, for joining us, Coach Evans. Again, thanks, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Have a good Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.